Hello, everyone. I come from a new background. And uh, yes, new background. It is my lums office. Um, I'm sorry about making you jealous just now. Um, I'm on my laptop today instead of my computer. Uh, there may be technical problems. I prefer not using my laptop for Zoom, uh, but here we are. Um, I also have a computer that doesn't have a mic or a webcam. You can see me infinitely here, here. So I'm using this computer to record the session so that the laptop doesn't overheat and start acting up. So I'm trying to delegate some tasks here. Uh, Yes, having the time of my life, indeed. Um, but yeah, if, if this goes well, then I might start using this space more often. Um, here's lungs, all dark, so I guess you can't really see anything. Um, uh, first thing today is that our guest speaker postponed, so uh, we're going to have a regular class today. And um, they may show up later, I, I doubt it, um, but most likely we're going to just do our regular thing. Uh, I have so many sad faces as if I'm not good enough for you, huh? Guest speaker, Isari, excitement. Now, now I'm sad as well, I'll try to, I'll do a sad face as well. And we have an impromptu guest speaker. Uh, sure. I'm literally, I think there's like 10 people on campus, so I don't know who an impromptu guest speaker is. Uh, all of you should be impromptu guest speakers. Yeah, that, that's the official line because I need more participation from you guys. Um, so what we are going to do today instead is uh, a little bit of a continuation of the last time because uh, we didn't get into the article as well as I would have liked. So we're going to have the first 15 odd minutes uh, for continuing that discussion. And then I'm going to do a number of things depending on how much time we have. Uh, I'm going to give you an introduction to research methods and why they're important and uh, what we're going to be uh, doing uh, in terms of the project. So then I'll introduce a little bit of the project. And then if we have time left over, we can also discuss the reflection paper, which I'm sure all of you haven't even started right now. Uh, that's going to be on what Sunday night, Monday night probably, and then we'll have extensions and all of that. Uh, so I am well prepared for it. Panic, says uh, Minhal. Uh, Mahi posted a meme about blank pages on Slack, which is exactly what I warned you against. Uh, if you had bothered writing notes as you were doing your talks, then you wouldn't have blank pages to look at. Been there, done that. Uh, I can preach the power of notes and writing things down all I want, uh, including myself, uh, but it's always a good habit to write things down. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Hafsa is efficient and has done the whole paper. Uh, excellent. Uh, there are no points for doing it earlier than expected. Uh, there's also no points for 
doing it later than expected. Uh, there's no penalties for doing it later than expected. Of course, there's points for doing it later than expected. I, as I said, if you need extra time that you think will increase the quality of your work and not just because you're procrastinating, by all means, take it. Um, yeah, so that is what we are doing today. Um, I was thinking I might use this for slides, uh, but my laptop doesn't support virtual backgrounds, but otherwise this is a great color to just have, you know, John Oliver style, I'm speaking and there's images coming up here. Uh, let's see if we can have that working at some point in the future. Okay, let us start with not sharing my computer some. Um, Actually, let's start with if you have any questions so far, because uh, I have like 10, maybe 15 minutes of the last lecture left. I figured we might as well start with any questions, concerns. I don't have my instrument here today, so I can't blame you. I, I guess I can do this. Also tell me if the audio is fine because I have a fan running here, which is loud for me, but I think Zoom might be uh, eliminating that noise. Moid says, Moid gives me a thumbs up, so I'm guessing it's fine. I can wait questions. I guess there aren't any, or at least not any that are meant to be asked publicly. You can always message me on Slack or email me or any of the other methods that we have. So, okay, let us start with uh, what we, where we left off, which was a continuation of fake news and why WhatsApp is such a conduit for it. Um, we discussed why fake news spreads. Um, we and we linked it to virality so fake news inherently is something that um more than more often than not tends to be having some sort of emotional valence positive or negative there's a usually high arousal uh with the sort of headlines you have there uh they tend to be anxiety inducing anger inducing fear inducing these are emotions that make you take actions um and then the action here being that you spread that fake news, as opposed to fake news that says that, um, I don't know, Jupiter is now only 17 light years away instead of 19 light years away. I just made that up, but that doesn't provoke an emotion in you as much as me saying, okay, uh, Ali Khan just told me that Lums is closed for the spring semester as well. Uh, and that is also fake news, but that provokes some emotion. SN is already saying, oh my God, there you go. All of that action outpouring is there. Uh, actions going as far as protesting, uh, which Shahrazadeh wants to do. Um, so that's why they spread because of the inherent makeup of the content of certain types of fake news. Uh, I'm not joking about it. I'm using an example uh, and it may well be true. I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, uh, so many noise. I, I don't know. I get the same emails that you do. So uh, remember the golden rule for this class. One, it depends. And two, we don't know. It depends on the situation in spring. And two, we don't know what the situation will be in spring. So there you have it. Um, now, uh, we touched upon why WhatsApp is a particular conduit for fake news. And uh, I think part of it has to do with the design. Uh, first of all, WhatsApp pay, it's super easy to forward something. Uh, when you send a picture, there's actually already a button there with a circle and a forward arrow on it. So it's literally a one tap process. Uh, same with messages, you just have to tap and hold and uh, a forward option pops up and then you select all of the people you want to forward it to. Compare that with forwarding on Instagram, for instance. Uh, it's a little harder to do. You can share, yes, but forwarding is different. Both are, uh, hey, Abdullah, you are also in lungs. I see. You might as well join me in my office so I have at least one person to look at next time. Um, Leila says they have updated chat features to match WhatsApp. I, they're integrating WhatsApp and Instagram and Facebook Messenger into the same platform. Uh, so that's where they're going with that. But compare the ease of sharing on Instagram versus Facebook versus Twitter, uh, private sharing, I should say, versus WhatsApp. Um, and obviously WhatsApp is the one that comes out and talk because it's a frictionless experience um, and not so much on the other. There's more friction in sharing on the other platform. So WhatsApp is designed to make it easier to forward things and share things. Um, and then as Minel says, there, there are limitations as well um, that arose from the spread of fake news. Uh, the other thing about WhatsApp is, is that it's private. You choose to share with individuals or with groups that you are a part of, whose members you already know uh, more often than not, um, as opposed to sharing on Twitter where it's going out to the whole wide world, as opposed to sharing on Facebook, where it's going out to two or 300 people uh, from various parts of your life, most of whom you're not in touch with. With WhatsApp, you're sharing it with one person at a time or with groups of four, five, six, 10, 15 at best. Uh, and then you have the uncle groups, which are 50, 60, 70. But again, uh, it's relatively private in the sense that you know who is in that group, why the purpose of that group exists and things like that. So uh, one, it's easier to share on WhatsApp and two, it's more private. Um, the third thing is I think um, which annoys me the most is that messages on WhatsApp are relatively unavoidable, unignorable. Uh, when you're using Facebook, you can scroll past your newsfeed. You have half a second to decide whether or not you want to read something. Uh, and if you don't consistently want to hear from someone, you mute them, you unfriend them. Same on Twitter. It's a feed-based system. On WhatsApp, if you are being sent that message individually, then you have to open it more often than not because you know that someone sent it to you specifically or it's in a group and you just want to clear your notifications or something like that. So it passes through more eyes and also you can't skim through 
it as quickly because on Facebook you have images and other things competing for your attention. So you only stop at the thing that grabs your attention. With WhatsApp, it's primarily text-based. So you have to actually read through the text uh, to figure out whether or not it's worth your attention. And that means that even if you didn't want to read it or see it, you still do, uh, again, because it's harder to ignore it. Uh, Ali says it's more personalized, absolutely. If someone sends me a message specifically, then I want to see what they have to say to me. Um, and less so if there's a, if you forward something, you, WhatsApp has the forwarded tag there, but if they copy paste it, then there's no way to know if that message was uh, meant specifically for me or if it was just mass forwarded. Um, uh, the other thing with WhatsApp uh, is the numbers that are on it. Uh, Facebook, several hundred people. Instagram, a few hundred people. Uh, if your profiles are public, then a few thousand people. Twitter, there's no way like one tweet could be reaching a hundred thousand people or two people. Uh, with WhatsApp, you know exactly who it's reaching, uh, and Unfortunately, also whether or not they've read it, depending on the uh, text. So there's instant feedback as well. Um, my message was received, my message was read, and then my message was ignored. Um, so that sort of feedback isn't there on Instagram or Facebook on a newsfeed, for instance. Um, then we get to the issue of groups. Uh, again, the uncle groups that uh, Minhal has mentioned. Uh, first of all, we mentioned the concept of in-groups versus out-groups. What are in-groups and out-groups? Uh, if anyone remembers, hopefully you do. It's in the name. So I'll wait for someone to say that. Your own bubble versus outer. Like-minded people you can share stuff with. Hmm. Uh, more comments. Nafsa mentions like-minded people. That is one possibility of an in-group. Uh, an in-group could be across any trait, which is what Abhi has just said. Excellent. Uh, so one trait could be that you are like-minded across uh, sharing a certain belief system. Um, but my in-group could just be people in SDSP, if I'm an SDSP student. It could be Pakistanis, if I'm thinking about being a Pakistani. It could be LUMS, other LUMS instructors. It could be LUMS faculty and staff, if I want to think about it that way. Uh, this class is an in-group. If we shared Baby Shark with someone outside of this class, they wouldn't understand. Uh, not that I think you guys understand the beauty of that. Uh, piece of composition either, but um, an in-group, as long as you have some common trait, that's an in-group. Mozart, who, uh, of course, uh, I don't think we had Baby Shark in the last class. I think one is due very, very soon, but uh, it works on variable rewards, so you never know when the next Baby Shark might strike. Uh, is terrorized already. So with WhatsApp, you have in groups and ungroups. Ungroups, not ungroups. Unsubscribe is how I can do. You can drop the course, that's uh, an unsubscribe function uh, built into LUMS. Um, 
So in the article, they talk about group dynamics. And uh, this is a very powerful psychological uh, phenomenon here, which is that groups have a personality that is independent of the individual personalities within that group. So I am Osama and I have three people on screen with me, Ali, Lela, and Abdullah. Uh, all four of us have individual traits and personalities and beliefs. But when you put us in a group, and especially when that group has been formed because of a specific reason, that group has an identity that is um, separate from our four individual identities. Um, so you might find yourself thinking or believing or behaving in ways that you wouldn't if you weren't part of that group, group conformity. Conformity, I should type in here. Um, so I'm sure you've experienced that sort of pressure at plums. Maybe you start smoking because other people in your group start smoking and you wouldn't do that if you were left alone, but as part of the group, you feel the pressure to conform to whatever the group is saying or doing. Um, I'm sure you see that in societies a lot. You're probably one personality when you're in a society meeting and another personality outside of it. Uh, peer pressure is part of it, yes. Um, one of the most famous psychological experiments uh, by Milgram, Stanley Milgram, I think is his full name, or the prison experiment, um, what they did was uh, they got people in and they said that uh, half the people are prisoners and half the people are guards. I'm wondering if this is part of the same experiment I forgot. Uh, yes, that was in Bardo. Yes, thank you. Uh, Milgram was just uh, electrocuting people. Uh, so let me start over. <laughs> So I tell you that there's a person uh, behind this screen. Uh, obedience, yes. Essen, do you want to, uh, you know, prime us on it? Because I'm forgetting. This is HP 101, which I did, what, eight years ago? And uh, it just occurred to me that this would be a good example, but you can probably remember it better than I can. Uh, while I wait for you to explain, if you want to, uh, the brief summary is that uh, they had people uh, hidden behind the screen and they asked another group of people to uh, give those people uh, small shocks. Um, they had a dial in front of them and as you rotate the dial, um, the shocks get stronger and stronger and you can hear people behind the screen screaming uh, as the shocks get larger and larger. Uh, there were no real people behind the screen. It was just sound effects for people. They just had people screaming. They weren't actually being electrocuted. Uh, but uh, what they found was that when there's peer pressure, when you're in a group, when you are nudged to do something, when you're told, take karo, 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 uh, people abandon their own belief systems and start complying. I forget what the exact condition was, which made them do this. But uh, as Essence said, it's basically about obedience. Um, but that's an aside. I, I, I've done a terrible job of explaining that experiment. I will uh, look it up. Um, but the essential uh, idea behind it is that uh, people tend to have one personality as an individual and another personality as part of a group. And then that personality changes, the self that you're exhibiting changes 
depending on which group you're in, which context you're in. Um, and so that makes it harder on WhatsApp, coming back to WhatsApp. It is us, you have your hand up. Uh, I wanted to tell you something. The Milgram experiment was uh, the conformity with authority and the mm -hmm. Zimbardo experiment was about groups. So you, you, you have to differentiate between them in that regard. Yeah, okay. So they're both about conformity, Zimbardo. Uh, Zimbardo one is about the group, how groups behave and the Milgram experiment is about how authority can make you conform to ideas. I see. Uh, thank you. Yes, uh, that explains why I was confusing Zimbardo with Milgram. Again, I have to brush up on HB 101. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm just checking if it's recording here as well. Uh, Minil is mentioning another experiment. Uh, it's kind of in the same domain as the bandwagon effect, says Ali. Uh, yes, uh, broadly speaking, uh, but also no, in the sense that uh, in one, you're being pressurized or you're adopting an identity other than your own in the bandwagon effect. Uh, for lack of another belief system, you're adopting someone else's belief system. So let's say I don't have an opinion on uh, Nestle versus Aquafina. And I see that more people prefer Nestle and that's the one that gets sold out. So maybe Nestle is better as opposed to me believing that no, actually Aquafina is good. But if, in, if I'm in a cult that is uh, Nestle focused, Nestle is the best. We, we drink Nestle uh, at 3am at night and when we have our cult meetings and all, then I might start preferring Nestle when I'm part of that group. Uh, Aquafina. Water is water, Minha. There's no difference. Uh, there is a difference, but I, I strongly believe water is water is water, and you can't convince me otherwise. Um, so in the uh, article, I want to read out from uh, <laughs> filter water at Lums is not water. I don't remember the last time I drank Lums water. So uh, back to groups on WhatsApp. Uh, here's something that's a, a very common scenario. Uh, there is one particular pattern of a group chat that can manufacture threats. This is my reading voice. Uh, it's from the article. Uh, actually, it's a British, maybe I can do a British accent, I can't. Uh, there is one particular pattern of a group chat that can manufacture threats. No, that doesn't work. Uh, so they say that, um, it starts with one participant speculating that they are being let down or targeted uh, by some institution or rival group. Uh, LUMS, for instance, uh, LUMS Nikolra, so you are being let down or targeted by uh, some institution. Whereupon a second participant agrees. Okay, yes, hamare zati ho rahi hai. LUMS And yes, ye masne hai, wo masne hai. Um, by this stage, it becomes risky for anyone else to defend the institution or group in question, and immediately a new enemy and a new resentment is born. Uh, the warnings and denunciations emanating from within the group take on a level of authenticity that cannot be matched by the entity that is now the object of derision. So uh, one, pe one person says, Lums is bad, Another person says, yes, you're right, and then uh, a third or fourth person joins in. Uh, and by that point, uh, if you're a fifth person, you're not going to go against the group 
because um, as we discussed in the last class, because uh, now you have social repercussions. You don't present your point of view in this case, uh, says Minhal, uh, which is precisely why fake news spreads because people who know better don't bother to step in and do the fact checking and say, no, actually you're wrong because uh, it's too risky to do that at, at that stage. Um, and then they say, but what if the first contributor has misunderstood or misread something or had a stressful day and needs to let off steam? And what if the second person is merely agreeing so as to make the first one feel better? And what if other members are either too tired, distracted, inhibited, exhausted to say anything to oppose this fresh uh, indignation? This needn't snowball into a form of conspiracy theory that produces riots or arson attacks, but it does. And so they're introducing very human factors here. Okay, maybe what the first person thought about lungs is patently not true, or maybe they interpreted it wrongly, but because other people aren't performing the corrective action and they just want to agree or you know, to make them feel better, uh, that's the point where they feel validated and then they're steeped into that opinion or belief and it's very hard to shake it out of them, even in the presence of counterfactuals or convincing arguments against what they initially believe in. Uh, unpopular opinions, uh, people getting mad at Minhal if she expresses them, uh, precisely. Uh, it takes a certain kind of person to uh, go up and cite an unpopular opinion. And even when they do, sometimes it's too late when 10 people in a group already believe in something or are supporting someone, then instead of critically evaluating what you have to say, it's usually turned against you. Um, the other thing about uh, WhatsApp is that you can speak more freely in private groups. Again, with Facebook and Twitter, it's, there's less uh, of a cost attached to saying something that you truly believe in, partly because you are saying those things to specific individuals and groups that you think will validate that opinion. And so there's no fear of log kya kahinge, or maybe this is a problematic opinion and I shouldn't share it. Uh, on WhatsApp, all of those inhibitions go away because you control the audience uh, to a T instead of uh, more public platforms. Uh, and then that leads to a little bit of an us versus them situation that people in this group believe something and people outside of this group wouldn't understand. Uh, and now we have, a, you know, there's us and there's them and we are two competing forces and anything the other group says we are going to oppose, 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 because we fundamentally don't believe in what they say. And so it's very hard to come to a middle ground there. Um, so that is about WhatsApp. I, I want to do one last thing, uh, which I'm sure I want examples from you guys before we head into a break, uh, which is, I find it very amusing how one person can change uh, the entire group dynamics. Uh, remember that I started by saying that group dynamics exist independently of their individual members. So I'm in plenty of groups where we have like person A, B, and C uh, in the same group, and then a fourth person who is person D, and another group which is A, B, and C, and E, and then another group which is A, B, and C, and F. So all that's changing between these groups of four people each is one person. 
And that one person's addition or removal changes the entire context of that group. What's being shared in it, what's being said, what's being discussed uh, changes based on one person. Uh, and that's a great example of uh, why group identities exist in uh, independent of individual identities. Uh, so I want to know if you guys are in any groups where this happens, because uh, I have, um, as an example, in one group, uh, we, we are four people and we're discussing random things, uh, discussion we need as such as just links and, uh, you know, just here's a link, here's a link, here's a link. There's nothing. But you swap out one person and now the sort of links that are being shared change entirely to uh, very highbrow, politics discussions and Marxism and things like that, uh, all based on the uh, swapping out of one person. Uh, well, Abir says so many, give me an example. What happens at the start of Lums this time? I'm not sure I understand that. Uh, I guess your uh, peer group, I'm sure you're in group projects, uh, which are, I've been in those projects. There's five people in a group project and then in another course, it's the same five people plus one more person. And then that person changes the dynamics and it's not as fluid a group um, because you know these people and not that one person. Uh, I think I have at least three groups that are tighter like that, like the original group and then the uh, updated group and then the updated, updated group. Uh, multiple people at the start of lumps. Uh, so every group just kind of tries really hard to muddle together and there's a ton of different groups like that. Subgroups for one big group. Uh, if you were in an OV group, there's what, 10, 15 people, but then within those 10 or 15 people, you have three or four who share a particular interest. And so they form a breakaway group. Uh, yep. Uh, but even like now, I guess you guys don't have work groups, but the team that you're talking to at work also uh, affects what you're saying. Uh, multiple subgroups. Uh, I guess we all have multiple subgroups from a main group. Uh, wait till you guys all graduate and then uh, the number of groups will gradually start to decrease and then it's just a handful of them left and usually it's individual more than groups. I have some very interesting groups forming now, like people who I hadn't interacted with in four years at Lungs, but now that we've graduated, they just so happen to be the mutual friend of some friend that I know, and they're at every other event. So now we're all in a group and now we're interacting uh, more. Uh, yes, realities checks. Uh, wait for that. Uh, so let us pause here and uh, take a break. I will take requests for songs because uh, we don't have a host today. So whatever gets the most votes, I guess, or whoever says something first. Uh, <laughs> I, I like what, well, I did say whoever says it first and Ali said that first, uh, baby shark. Uh, 
I'll spare you for now. I, I like the uh, the other suggestion after that. Uh, I, I don't think we have enough uh, Urdu songs playing. So we are going to do that and then we'll see. All right. Resume the recording. We are back after Minhal uh, says, can we really debate on opinions? Um, sure you can. Uh, so we have an update. The guest speaker that we had uh, is joining us today, which is why we had the extended uh, break. So all those sad faces uh, now will turn into happy faces. Uh, although I guess uh, you said that they were for lungs. Hello, Waji. Uh, you are muted. Please. Uh, Enlighten us with what your virtual background is. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, this is basically a picture that I took at the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. So recently, before I go under camera photographer, so I've been trying to use my own virtual backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess now that you've uh said Brooklyn Botanical Gardens, that also gives us an idea of where you are right now. Yes, I'm in Osama's favorite part of the world. Uh, debatable. Really? Yes. Uh, Brooklyn is certainly not my favorite part of the world, even within New York. But yes, Vaji is- I, in... I, I'm gonna drop out again. I can't do this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. So, uh, Waji is in New York, currently doing a master's in a uh, degree ka naam bata do, like, labbe labbe naam Sure. Yeah, my program is called Information Experience Design. So it's a combination of information science and product design. Right. I'm sure uh, I don't understand half of those words. I'm sure you have to explain those to us as yeah. well. Yeah. For context, you know the makeup of the class. We half of us are CS majors here, and the other half are not. Um, but uh, the reason why HCI related, uh, Ali asks, is it HCI related? It is HCI related. Yes, HCI is one of the names of this field. Mm -hmm. HCI with products. Yeah. Asks. Can you see I the can chapter? go into the details of all of the different types of fields and all of the different names that they are there. Hmm. Uh, so the reason Waji joins us today is to talk about his research on uh, WhatsApp. Uh, actually, there's two parts to this. One is Waji's research on WhatsApp. Uh, and uh, Waji, you joined us uh, now, but before uh, you joined us, we were talking about why fake news spreads the way it does. And then what is WhatsApp's role in it and how it's designed to make things frictionless in terms of sharing and then group dynamics, why we have in groups and out groups. And uh, actually one of the groups I mentioned was our project group. So in our research methods project, we had one group and then we had a business analytics project, which was the same group, but with one extra person. And that changed the entire dynamics of the whole thing. And so the idea being that 
groups have an identity that are independent of the individuals within them. Um, so uh, you will talk to us about that research. Uh, I'm like, obviously that's what you're going to do. I'm not demanding that you will do it. Uh, and then um, I also had my class do an assignment where they have to be off social media for 30 hours. Uh, yeah. And one of the most repeated complaints, complaints, comments that I was getting was it's hard to get rid of WhatsApp uh, yeah. or other communication platforms. So uh, Waji is no stranger to such detoxes, including WhatsApp. So maybe you can uh, tell us a little more about how that went for you and what these kids can do to uh, get rid of WhatsApp next time. Sure, sure, I can do that. So um, do you want me to start? I Are think you? you got cut out. I don't know if I got cut out or you did. Yeah, I think you got cut again. out. Should I just start now? Is there anything else you want to cover before I start? Do I want to cover what? Uh, can someone tell me if... Okay. I am the one, am I the one who's cutting out or is Vaji the one who's cutting out? Can someone I am not sure. In the chat? Can everyone else hear me? Uh, oh, I think I think it's you. I think Osama, it's you. So I'm using I, Lama Wi-Fi. So yes, <laughs> uh, you can introduce. Like, go for it. I, I will minimize my speaking for this reason. Introduce yourself, who you are, the fact that you're from Lums. How do you know me? And then yeah, what makes you uh, do what you're doing right now? And then what's up? Go for sure. It. So I'll give a quick background. Um, so I graduated in 2016. Um, I um, my uh, my major at Lums was management science, but I was part. I was with Osama in the first batch of management science that graduated, and um, I had a. I was aiming for a minor. I didn't have a minor in CS on paper, but I was almost. I almost had a minor in CS, and uh, so I was going for the management science and CS background um combination and uh, after that i worked in tech in pakistan for three years in different roles i started off as an analyst and then i became a product manager and uh, then i worked as a product manager for a little over two years for different tech startups in pakistan so um, i've worked with health tech products i've developed products for doctors uh, clinics and hospitals and uh, I've worked with um, Mocha Online, which was the last company that I was working with in Pakistan. Um, and uh, with them, I was one of their first employees and I developed their entire tech infrastructure uh, with an outsourced development team. So up until that point, my expertise was um, development operations, um, scrum management, agile, and product management, requirements gathering, uh, product scoping, and um, and a little bit of UX research and UI design, but not not too much. And since then I've been, you know, I started this program last year and uh, I've been, while I've been able to develop my skills in the information architecture and interaction design area, um, I've also been pivoting more towards information science uh, in an academic sense. So I've become more interested in academia 
and uh, I'm considering the question of doing a PhD in this field. So because of that, I've been taking more academic uh, courses that are based in either the digital humanities or information science. Um, yeah, so that I think that pretty much covers my background. Uh, and uh, today what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, firstly my research with WhatsApp. Um, and since uh, I was told that WhatsApp is a topic that uh, all of you are covering in class, so I will go over my research. But apart from that, I'm also open to discussing any of the concerns or questions or curiosities that any of you might have related to product design, information science, um, the industry in Pakistan or how it works in the US. So I'm open to like talking about any of those things. Um, I think what I will do is I'll start with, um, I will start with a quick discussion. I want to hear people's voices if that's possible. Uh, if anyone uh, like uh, offers to unmute themselves and talk. And then after that, um, I'll go into my research and then near the end, we can have a discussion on all of the other things um, that we can talk about. So I think what I want to start with is, um, can any of you um, tell me what the experience of taking this course has been like? Um, and I know Osama is, is there, so it's a bit, not the ideal environment. Ideally, Osama would not be here, but uh, let's just pretend that he's not here. And uh, so I, what I want to hear is anyone talk about anything that they liked, anything that they disliked, any particular topic that was of interest, anything that sparked any curiosity, uh, just to get like a discussion going before I start talking about all the stuff that I want to talk about. They already filled an evaluation last week, so if you're really interested, I can send that to you. Uh, but but yes. I want to hear from the people exactly. So I see from the chat, do you do cold calling here or is it is that not appropriate? Uh, I let the host for that session decide, and you are the host for this session, so okay, you can do that. I'm curious what the drama is that everyone is talking about. Oh, I announced that we would have no guest speaker, and then someone said I want some drama in class, and so this spicy question that you've thrown in is the drama. I, I think okay. that's the... So I just want one person to talk about any single thing that they've liked in this class or they've disliked. Mahir has her hand up. Okay, yeah, Minhal, before I say my point, I'll say Minhal's point. We get a lot of surprises by listening to Baby Shark. So that's the dislike part of the class. <laughs> Can you that's tell me a little bit more? I don't know about the Baby Shark. Okay, so, so Sama has this, um, I don't know, surprise that he tricks us with Baby Shark. He, yeah, he suddenly just plays it. And we're, we're talking like, I'm normal class and then suddenly Baby Shark plays it. And like, we all are like mute. mute so that's the part we do not like. And um, the oh, part- why are, why are all of you still here? They need the credit hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So they're like probably good parts too. So that's why we are here. 
can you tell me one of the good parts as well i guess what i like personally is ke it's something very relatable like when we talk here we can give a lot of examples because we all are like in the same environment of what we are talking about we here like you know why we like why we like certain things and why we share certain things and what like how we get like you know when we talked about headlines and abhi bhi whatsapp pe bhi so this all are like things that are happening and yahi hota hai ki a lot of times it's like it's so common it's so there so what to do now what's next so that's what a lot of discussions go about ke ye to ho raha hai so what's the study about it now Hmm. That's a very general answer, but I hmm. hope that answer. No, I appreciate it. I I think yeah, I think you know it's a unique experience, uh, and uh, so I'm glad that you know there are things that people are people like. If any of you are wondering or were wondering at any point, K, has Osama always been this weird, or did something happen to him recently, and has he like suddenly become this weird? Then I can tell you that he has definitely always been this weird and quirky and. I have lots of uh, incidents that, or stories that I can talk about from when we were in undergrad. Um, um, so yeah, it's uh, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I can I can I can. Um, there's lots of like interesting highlights that I can go over at some point. But um, um, yeah. So anything else that anyone might want to add? It's amusing that that's the part that's garnered the most responses in chat. I, I don't yeah. understand the T, by the way. What what about the T, as Hafsa and Rizma? They just want some gossip. They want us to gossip about our time at undergrad. T means spice. Okay. Well, that tells you how old we are now. We have to get in with the hip crowd. Yeah. अच्छा, I learned. ठीक है सामा इतना पसंद नहीं आया लोगों को कोर्स. That's fine. My job is to teach, not to be liked. <laughs> That's a good response. Okay, so I will. What I will do is uh, I will. Can I have your hand up? Sorry, I missed it. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Um. So I was saying that I really like that the course is very interactive. Like it doesn't seem like it right now. Shayad, but it's very open to discussion. and it's nice to hear about different perspectives and actually participate in class because you want to okay that's great yeah those are the best type of courses and uh, i'm glad you feel that way and uh, even for today i would personally appreciate um, if we can have a discussion instead of a one way me talking about stuff so as i go into the whatsapp thing feel free to butt in and i will try to ask questions so that people can have a say um and i'm also looking at the chat side by side which is why i'm i get a bit distracted um so people are saying song breaks are great sorry sakina so had her hand up momentarily i don't know if she would still want to continue with that thought or not uh, if not just let me know I I just wanted to add that I do not plan on doing a minor in psychology and I did not plan on taking this course as well I just took it because I read really good reviews so it was just like that you said haliya tha but I do really enjoy it and it's one of the courses which actually relieves stress with the other courses that I have online classes ke sath 
So that's what I wanted to add. That's great. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you. Um, okay, okay. So I feel a little better about this course now. Um, I'm not taking it. Oh, there was a wait list for 100 people. Wow, okay. Okay, it definitely is in demand. Um, so let me share my screen, if that's okay. And I'm gonna, I do have some slides, but nothing too major. Um, and I'll quickly go through them and then we'll come back to the discussion part. Great. So, can all of you see this? Yep. Okay. So, um, what I want to talk about is um, this research paper that I wrote um, in fall 2019, which looked at WhatsApp groups as platforms of community level conversations. And um, for this paper, what I did was I followed a reflexive ethnography approach, which is something that I will elaborate in a while, um, to basically uh, use a framework of critiquing social media to analyze WhatsApp. And uh, in particular, I wanted to look at design decisions made by WhatsApp designers and how they influence the sort of conversations that people have on WhatsApp. So. An important thing to talk about here is that um, there is a lot of um, academic dis uh, discourse research happening on the influence of big tech on society, people, politics, economics, and all of these different areas of um, human life. And uh, these two books, for example, these two uh, authors are one of my favorites. Their work is quite seminal. You might have come across their work in this course. Um, and if you haven't, I would recommend that you uh, look them up. Um, Safia Noble has a really um, popular TED talk that she gave, um, which was about the inherent racist bias in Google's search algorithm. So um, these two books uh, are a good like example of the kind of academic discourse and research that is getting published about the criticisms on big tech. And what are the criticisms primarily focused on? They're focused on two main ideas. One is surveillance capitalism, which I'm not sure if any of you have heard before, but it's the simple idea of uh, capitalism combined with overarching, ever-increasing surveillance through the use of our data. So it's the, it's the underlying idea behind Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, this is how Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook make money. Um, and the other, other major criticism for these big tech companies is uh, the criticism of artificial intelligence and uh, algorithms. Um, and there are many, many facets to that criticism, but the, it, the gist of it is that these criticisms are reproducing inequality. They're reproducing the bias that humans have uh, because they're being used to, they're generally trained on the data that humans produce, manage, record, and clean, and edit, 
and because of that, the the um, the biases get reproduced, and when they're reproduced by a technology or a computer, they affect us in even worse kind of ways. So, in all of this, there's very little mention of WhatsApp. Um, if you you know if you do like a Google Scholar search on WhatsApp, you'll find lots of papers being produced by um, universities in the South, but there's very little mention of how WhatsApp influences the world in these all of these different major publications that are coming out or all of these in all of the in work of the major scholars who are talking about big tech in the fields of information science, um, science and technology and digital humanities. So why is there a WhatsApp bias? Uh, for any of you who spend time in the US or who've been here, they would know that WhatsApp log use karte. It's not as common. It's uh, it doesn't definitely have the same pervasive kind of presence that we have uh, that WhatsApp has back home or in the global south in general. And because of that, since you know big tech was born in the Silicon Silicon Valley, and a lot of the conversations are very US centered in academia and still in the conversations around uh, regulating big tech. Um, because of that bias towards the US, WhatsApp gets largely ignored. Um, you would find articles like the one that you probably read uh, on The Guardian. Uh, so every now and then somebody goes out and publishes an article about how WhatsApp is destroying the world or how it's the worst horrible thing ever. But there isn't a very systematic or structured study of uh, why is WhatsApp so pervasive? Why is it so popular? How is it influencing people? How is it influencing all of these different aspects of society that we know that other big technology platforms are influencing? So what I do with my research is that I use um, this critique of Facebook developed by this scholar Siva Vedyanathan, um, who basically writes um, an entire book criticizing, specifically focusing on Facebook and criticizing or uh, basically illustrating, highlighting the way Facebook has influenced democracy in the US. So when I say Facebook and democracy, uh, the most obvious uh, thought that anyone would have is, oh, the US elections of 2016, and obviously our favorite president ever, uh, Trump, and how he got elected and the role of Russia in those elections and Cambridge Analytica. So all of that stuff is, um, hopefully all of you know about all of that stuff, that background about how Facebook had a role in those elections. But there's a lot more that um, Siva Vedianathan covers, uncovers in this books and talks about. Um, and broadly, he basically identifies three structural issues within Facebook that have led to the kind of polarization, the kind of negative impact Facebook has had on democracy and politics in the US. So these structural issues are right there. You can see them. Um, the important thing in this is that um, these issues are structural, so they don't, they're not really, uh, they're not relative to how people use Facebook. So that's the important distinction that Siva Vedyanathan is trying to create. And that is the important lesson, or I wouldn't call it a lesson, but takeaway 
that I want all of you to walk away with from this lecture, which is that um, as the people who designed Facebook the way it is, and the people who are running Facebook and the people who are running um, WhatsApp, they have the burden of responsibility for the impact that it's creating on people and society. Because the issues, the problems that exist within these platforms are structural in nature. Um, so they don't, I mean, if, and I'll elaborate on this uh, later, but one of the arguments that is often given is specifically in the case of WhatsApp, but also generally in the case of Facebook is K, oh, people don't know how to use these platforms or people need to be more careful with fake news or uh, people spread false information. Um, so there's a tendency to place blame on the users, but a lot of the academic discourse is trying to show how there are actually structural problems within these platforms and um, you can't blame the users. Um, sure, you can say the users need to be more careful, but um, there's a need to identify and address the structural problems. So I'll quickly go over the three problems because I use this to criticize WhatsApp as well. I use this as a framework to form my critique. Um, so the first thing is that false information can easily spread through Facebook. Um, and so in the book, Siva Vedinathan identifies specific characteristics of the way Facebook is designed that enable this um, through Facebook. And what, what, I'll, what we will talk about is the same kind of design implementations in WhatsApp that enable this. Um, all of you have had a conversation about fake news and so, we can, um, you know, it's the most prominent topic in relation to WhatsApp and Facebook, so we can go over that. The other thing is uh, it amplifies content that um, is emotional in nature. So I'm sure this was a big theme in your uh, course so far that um, a lot of these platforms, a lot of these um, social media in particular um, are basically thriving on uh, that ever increasing engagement that they want with their users. And an element in that is they, they, the, the content that is the most engaging is the emotional content. The content that's the most, like that drives the most click throughs, that drives the most comments is the sort of content that incites fear or anxiety or uh, just general terror or a sense of uncertainty. So the negative emotional content sells the most. And, and since Facebook is you know, geared towards um, driving engagement, uh, there is a structural way that it amplifies the, all the scary negative content. And the third thing is that it leads to the creation of this concept called a filter bubble. Um, again, something you know, which is often quite talked about, but with uh, Vidyanathan's critique, we have actual uh, descriptions of the design decisions made by Facebook's uh, designers that contribute to this effect. What is a filter bubble? It's basically this idea that people form this kind of a bubble on their social media where they keep hearing about and talking about the same kind of content again and again and again. So they so a good example of this, and I can share this after the class, I can go look for it. There was a really good uh, article on New York Times in before the 2016 election, 
which showed the news feeds of a Republican, a conservative Republican from um, the Midwest in the US and a liberal uh, Democrat from the Eastern uh, coast in the US. And they did a comparison of the two news feeds side by side. And just the color of the two news feeds showed that the Republican kept seeing red color posts, which is the color of the Republican Party. And the Democrat kept seeing blue colored posts, which are colors of the uh, Democrat Party. So uh, the filter bubber effect was so effect, uh, was so strong with these two people that unko wohi posts immediate uh, obviously unke acquaintances friends share and so they were always stuck in that narrative of the narrative that they believed in so what i what we try to like assess is does all of this stuff also happen with whatsapp how does it happen with what whatsapp is whatsapp also uh, something that we should critique just like facebook is being critiqued and will or does whatsapp affect political discourse and democracy in Pakistan. Um, and uh, I have some ideas. I present some ideas in the paper, uh, which are based on my own personal experience. But it's really, um, you know, broadly a matter of consideration right now. It's a matter of like, we can talk about it, we can discuss it, but there is no, um, let's say, there is no concrete research that I can that establishes all of these things, but right now we're at a point where uh, there the conversation doesn't even exist uh, in academic literature, at least. So that's what I try to do with this paper. So an important point to consider is something that I mentioned. Um, so I the reason that I'm mentioning this is because I know that all of you are considered are going to be talking about research methods or might have already started talking about research methods. So an important element uh, to academia is how what are the methods of the research that are producing the knowledge or, or thought that I'm talking about. And this is important because once you start working at the graduate or the doctorate level, um, any publication that you send out, any research back, back publication that you send out needs to follow um, a stringent peer review and uh, review board process. So um, what that entails is that they have these, the academia in the US, and this is where, you know, the, the the culture and the norms in the US is really driving the sort of norms that academia follows across the world is that they are very really self-regulating uh, and they formed these like uh, unsaid rules about how they would regulate themselves uh, in order to ensure that the research that is produced is the of the highest quality. It's of the, um, it's the most rigorous in nature and uh, it's, um, you know, it doesn't fa use faulty research methods. It doesn't, it, it's backed by science. But having said that, there's still considerable amount of research that is produced that is faulty and does use, um, um, let's say, uh, research methods that are heavily critiqued by other academics. So you should always assume that you should never assume that if there's a research being produced in the US, then it is um, 
a very rigorous and thought through and science-backed research. So when I try to come up with, when I try to criticize, let's say WhatsApp and my own experience of using WhatsApp based on my own observation, I follow the reflexive ethnography approach, which is developed by Christine Hine. And what this basically says is that technology is so pervasive in our environments that we can reflexively uh, develop an ethnography of our experience of growing up with technology. So, you know, um, as, as millennials, um, we had a unique experience of growing up in that environment where Facebook and WhatsApp was introduced. So what Christine does is that she get, provides a framework for doing an ethnography of the time of, of the time that has already gone by. And so technically you can, you know, ethnographies look into the future and you do that looking forward. But with the reflexive ethnography framework, you can do think about your experience in the past and follow the framework to uh, develop an ethnography of your experience. So that's the approach that I follow. Um, so before I move on, I wanna take a quick two, one minute break. Any thoughts, comments, questions that people wanna have at this point? So Abdul Mohit said, said I had to read a hundred uh, page reading on surveillance skepticism for a social course by Zuboff, yes. And we'll share the documentary, yes. Uh, Zuboff is also one of the prominent um, scholars on this. Um, uh, on this. So yeah, please, uh, Abdul Mohit, please do share that link. Uh, before you launch, which, uh, I'm, I'm getting it. We can take a couple of minutes uh, break with the cameras off because this is usually break time for my class. Okay, so, so how about we start seven, again at 1020? Yep. Sorry, 720. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. When uh, I can play music uh, of your choice. Yeah, please do. music choice why is that 
Edison. Oh, because can you hear me? Yep, we can. Oh, because we just listen to very different music, you know, like Billy Eilish or Zendaya. Like, I don't know what it looks like. It's music from the eighties. Uh, it, it is music from the eighties. Uh, I don't know what you. What year is Fleetwood Mac from? I actually don't know when Dreams was released, but yeah, it is the eighties and nineties. Okay, so you can continue. Uh, okay. I guess uh, we can do uh, the so we have, so class today. We're going to use up the full allocation of our time till seven fifty. Uh, so what you can do his presentation for another fifteen twenty minutes, and then uh, we can talk about some of the other things. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'll have to speed through a little bit. Um, I was going a bit slow, so I'll just do that. Um, so some of the, the other stuff, this is really basic stuff that I won't go into a lot of details, but these are just some numbers that, you know, uh, I have borrowed from the internet, which try to, which basically show how normalized and pervasive WhatsApp is nothing too important here. Um, but this is something that we need to think about. So academic literature actually shows that there are all of these different kinds of experimental implementations of WhatsApp being done in the public sphere. And so I can, uh, so this is just like a, the tip of the ice, iceberg. So this is um, actually researchers going out into the public and looking at all of these different situations where people are using WhatsApp. So there are examples of doctors working in a hospital doing clinical decision making in the emergency room in a WhatsApp group. Um, there's an example of a neighborhood that has formed like a vigilante um, crime prevention organization that do all of their security coordination on WhatsApp. Um, then there are lots and lots of examples of um, platforms, uh, groups, social platforms where people have clinical discussions or discussions of a political uh, social nature on WhatsApp. Uh, I personally know that, um, and don't quote me on this, but I know that I actually met this uh, person here in New York whose father is um, a big shot in the current government, uh, one, of the, one of the highest positions in the government. And, uh, and she told me that uh, his father, her father just uses WhatsApp to do all of her, all of their like government related work. They have WhatsApp groups that coordinate all of the different committees that the government forms and they share all of their documents through WhatsApp. So, which is just mind blowing for me that the, the, the biggest authority in the government is using uh, these WhatsApp and groups to coordinate among all of the different branches of the government. So that's really where my criticism is focused on. Um, how did we go get here? This is an important question to assess. So. I don't want to go into a lot of detail, but the important one important thing that I want to talk about is this idea of digital colonialism. So in 2014, Facebook acquired WhatsApp. And in 2016, Facebook launched an organization, um, um, a platform called internet.org. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it, but it was briefly launched in Pakistan as well. Um, 
and it has had a range of different names since then. Most recently, it has been called Free Basics. Free Basics. The idea behind this platform, uh, this approach that Facebook took, is that they had this hubris, they had this like noble, grand, noble idea that we're going to provide internet for free to the entire world's population. So they said, we're going to be the drivers of helping people in the farthest of rural areas reach the internet. But conveniently, the way they did it was that they formed a package of, package of services and they, they basically only enabled those services that could be accessed through the internet that they were providing. So this was briefly active in Pakistan um, and this, was, um, this has been really successful in Africa. Um, and so there's this Guardian article that I can share that basically talks about how, uh, um, how pervasive it has been. Oh, actually, this is the one that you guys were looking at. Yeah, so uh, how pervasive Facebook has been in Africa um, because of the free basics platform. So this is all of these different uh, regions of Africa where free, free basics is, was implemented or is live at some point, was live at some point. So um, what exactly is free basics? Um, it's this idea that um, people will be able to use Facebook, WhatsApp, um, and a range of other services provided by Facebook um, for free. And that way they will have access to the internet. The underlying motive for Facebook is obviously having acquiring the next billion users and becoming the most used platform in the world. But what that entails, what that, um, the problem with this approach is that for all of these new users who, who start to use the internet through the free basics, their conception of the internet is basically Facebook. So all of us conceive the, perceive and think about the internet as this large free entity that exists somewhere in space um, that can connect you to any part of the world. But for these um, new users who are being, who are starting to use the internet for the first time, their conception of internet is equal to Facebook. And what that means is okay, the effect that Facebook and WhatsApp has in society, in those people, becomes even more stronger. It becomes even harder for them to um, like let go, move away from Facebook. It, it, it pervades all of the different aspects of their life. And the other big problem with this is that one of the core concepts that behind the internet is the idea of net neutrality. And some of you might've heard about it. Um, the, uh, it's the simple idea that all of the different parts, websites, services on the internet should be equally accessible by all people at all times. So none of the content should be prioritized over other content by internet service providers. But Facebook was basically breaking this rule um, by prioritizing their own personal content over all other content, which is why they were actually sued in India in the Supreme Court. And uh, eventually they were, um, they were penalized and they couldn't, they couldn't launch their platform through Facebook, uh, through um, in India. However, um, it's still kind of active in Pakistan in different ways. So, um, all of these different telecom companies have become sort of like 
the they sort of piggyback off of Facebook because Facebook is going into all of these different new regions and they want to create a network and these companies also want to acquire those people. So what they do is they prioritize the services provided by Facebook over the other services that exist out there. So this is one of the most popular packages. I know because um, I had a very strong, um, like long interaction with um, one of the sons of my, the house help that uh, worked at my place in Pakistan. Um, unke uh, jo unka jo beta tha usko wo phone pe whatsapp use karta tha aur he would always run into troubles with whatsapp so for quite a few years i was involved in this process where i would have to help him unblock himself or i would help him uh, learn how to use whatsapp on the phone and through that i realized that this this package that uh, is currently active by zong which he used to use was so extremely convenient for him all kinds of communication that he wanted to do would happen on WhatsApp because of this package. So, um, so this is like the context of why we are here uh, right now. Why is WhatsApp so pervasive and why has it become so popular? So um, I want to take a look at the chat because I know that a lot of people are messaging in. Um, Yeah, yes. Um, so I'm looking at Bisma's comment that the government now monitors these social media sites and anyone found guilty of insulting the army gets two years in prison. Um, thankfully, that hasn't really passed the legislature yet, but they're trying to get that to happen. Um, and YouTube, definitely. YouTube is a, is a beast on its own. Um, and you're absolutely right that uh, there definitely needs to, uh, like, there needs to be a conversation about YouTube as well. Um, is this, yeah, so it's the same, uh, Mahir, it's the same concept in, in the south of the world, at least. So in Africa and in Southeast Asia, data is, and it is purposefully being done that way because those people who are starting to use the internet are basically the products they're sorry they're the they're the they're the profit that the company that these big tech companies want to have a monopoly over so so yeah it's the same across the different countries so what i now want to do is i want to stop sharing my screen and i want to talk about some of the some of the design related problems with whatsapp and I don't really have slides for this. So what I will do is I will go over um, some of the points that I talk about in my research. And while, sorry, while doing that, I want to have, I want to hear people's thoughts. I want to um, get input from the entire group. And I would prefer to have it as a discussion. So, um, I particularly focus on the WhatsApp groups and their role in um, influencing our political thought, the way our society works, um, how we are a how we engage with each other in the public sphere. Um, I want to start this off with a quick 
like a quick anecdote which basically led my interest into this. So I live in a small society, a private housing society in Islamabad. That's where I used to live. And um, this, the, the, the administration of the society um, uses a WhatsApp group to manage all of the logistical elements of uh, the society. So stuff like having, um, let's say, stuff like managing the security, giving updates on where the security guards are, uh, fixing the street lights, uh, coordinating the cleaning of the different roads, and also um, higher level conversations about, okay, what do we do about the beggars that keep coming into our society and keep uh, you know, sleeping on the side of the road? Or what do we do about the people who are, we're bringing in their cows, their livestock, and we're, um, and we're getting bothered by them? Or they have conversations about, uh, what do we do about um, the tanker mafia that exists in the society um, that is stealing the water from the land? So it's like a, it's like a hodgepodge of all these different things. And in all of this is obviously the hundreds and thousands of forward messages that people send on the group um, because they're boomers and they don't know how to use uh, these different groups for different purposes. So, so my interest in this was sparked by uh, this group in particular and a particular incident where um, two different parties in the society ended up having a big fist fight outside the society's office, which was triggered by a comment that one of them made on WhatsApp. And uh, so say a few people got arrested and it was a big fight. It was in the news as well. And it all started because somebody said something on WhatsApp that the other people did not appreciate. And other the other thing, interesting thing that happened was that um, one the secretary of the society Unka account supposedly hacked and it started sending picture like erotic images into the group. And uh, and I still suspect actually definitely account hacked. But they used that as a basis to form an argument. Like they basically said other dusra group revenge by hacking into the WhatsApp account of this secretary. And by sharing this, these images in our group, because they want to publicly malign um, our secretary. So it's not interesting And this happens on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I'm active in group. Ke like active in the sense that I scroll through and see that I what I want to talk about, think about is why is it happening on WhatsApp? So one of the main and i think uh, the way it would be uh, useful is if all of you and i'm sure almost all of you have whatsapp on your phone if you open one of the groups that you have right now um, in front of you and look at the ui and try to pay attention a bit more attention than we normally do uh, to how the ui flows or how the conversation flows um, within whatsapp so I'm not going to like say anything groundbreaking, but the one of the important things to realize is that WhatsApp is actually a chat app. It's like a messaging platform. It's like iMessage, it's like text message. So what that means is that conversations happen one at a time. So 
at one point, if somebody uh, is talking about something, um, people, you can just reply to that particular message. But because of the nature, because of the way the UI is designed, you can only really pay attention to one conversation at one time, or you can pay an, uh, attention to one aspect of the conversation that you're seeing right now. Um, as uh, opposed to... Says yes. in the chat that I want to bring up that WhatsApp has a wipe of its own. If someone says something on a group, you feel more inclined to answer compared to Instagram or Slack. Uh, I think uh, since you're mentioning the UI, this fits in very nicely. I think one of the major reasons for that is WhatsApp doesn't have reactions. So on Instagram, yeah. you just double tap heart that acknowledges that you've seen it. Uh, yeah. Same with Slack. Uh, yeah. With WhatsApp, if you want to respond, you have to use words. Yeah, and using is hard. Yeah, uh, but forces you to respond. Yeah, uh, so stickers. I don't think you 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 use stickers in a different way, mind you. You don't respond to individual messages with. But I know someone who uses um, the Instagram double tap so much. Like if I send six messages, like I would in WhatsApp, she will like all six of those messages because that's the feedback that she's used to getting and everything I yeah. say has to have a tiny heart under it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that is exactly the kind of approach that I'm talking about that I want all of us to take when I say, let's pay attention to the design element of how it's designed and how it's influencing the conversation. So one other way of looking at it is okay, when you're on a group, uh, somebody sends a message, it's only visible momentarily. And then, uh, if it's like an active group, like the one that my society is in, uh, within a few minutes, the message will be And in some cases, seconds. Um, in the sense that it will go up And I'm sure all of us have had that experience that if you have a phone down, if you have 500 messages in the group. So it means that the conversation is moment by moment. Hoti hai. Uh, it doesn't happen that way on other community platforms. So for example, on Reddit or on Facebook groups, you can have these separate posts that can exist. They keep coming up every now and then when people engage with them and uh, they always exist. You can search and find them and hard posts can each comments or So what that means is it's uh, again, nothing groundbreaking, but the point is that WhatsApp design new as a community platform, as a group, as a platform where you can have these sort of community discussions, group level discussions, like in we use for the, for that purpose, which is the why, why, you, why you and I love Slack so much. Cause it's the exactly. of WhatsApp. Absolutely. So that is the point that I was going to make near the end. Please start using Slack. Please get everyone all, of, especially in the professional environment, stop using WhatsApp. But, I know I'm really short on time. I just have like 10 minutes left. So I want to quickly go over some of the other examples that, um, that I've, that I talked about in my uh, research. So um, one important, one other thing that I want to think uh, that I want everyone to think about is okay, when, let's say, um, when somebody makes the decision of using a WhatsApp group as a, as a platform or as a space where you will have these kinds of conversations, group level, community level conversations, people often don't think about how that can exclude a 
a certain narrative or how that can lead to the exclusion of certain people. So in the group that I am in for the society, there are around 200 people that live in the small society. And out of those 200, I think around, there are around three people, three, there are three women and the rest of them are either men or they don't have their name in the, they haven't entered their name. They have like some kind of a nickname. So it's not very evident exactly whether they're men or women or someone else. And so it, this is not by chance. This is because women in Pakistan don't feel comfortable sharing their number on a public platform, especially in a place where there are these 200 random families living with them. And they know that they, uh, by sharing their number, they are exposing themselves to a certain number of certain amount of risk. And uh, we all know why that that's the case. But the important thing is that when the people who made the group decided to use it as a place, and they had good intentions, they were like, "Oh, we'll make this group. It'll be completely transparent, and the society will run on the people's words. It will be a democratic place. Everyone will have to get. Everyone will get to have a say." But the problem is that they use the wrong platform. And because of that, um, someone, for example, who has an issue with, let's say, the, the amount of money being spent on the masjid in the society uh, will not be able to voice that concern at all. It's, it's impossible that they can come online on WhatsApp and say, hey, can we talk about how much money we're spending on the masjid? We definitely can't. And similarly, um, bec- um, it, it sort of it creates that filter bubble environment where um, only a certain type of narrative can happen. And the other thing is that the space is completely unregulated. So uh, there is no mechanism for um, like regulating the conversation that, have, that people have. So even on Facebook, you know, the admin can go in and remove a message, a post. The, on Reddit, you can create automatic moderation rules that can filter out abusive content that can find a way to make sure that conversations exist on at um, you know in a healthy way there's no way for whatsapp admins to define policies for their groups so basically what i'm trying to say is that whatsapp groups suck and stop using them in the public sphere you can use the ideal the basic in, uh, purpose with which they were designed was that some there's a group of people who want to take a trip one day they want to go hiking on trail three and they need to coordinate where they're going to meet and when they're going to meet. That was the initial purpose for why WhatsApp groups were designed, but they're being used for a range of these different uh, purposes in the public sphere, um, which is which causes all of these problems. So um, I have a lot more that I wanted to cover, but uh, unfortunately we're short of time. So what I want to do is I want to, um, spend a couple minutes think, talking about the last concept that I was interested in, which is how do we, how do we redesign WhatsApp? How do we reimagine um, these di- different problems uh, or the UI or the structural issues within WhatsApp that cause these problems? So these are some principles of ethical design that people have been talking about um, that people want to focus on with uh, moving forward from here. But apart from that, this is a really interesting framework that I basically use in my paper. Um, It's called Design Justice, and it's a feminist-based framework that comes up with 
new ways, new principles or new methods of thinking about how we design these products. So the, the way that WhatsApp was initially designed, the theory or the mindset that it followed was um, design, the design thinking approach. So I'm guessing that many of you have probably heard about it or come across it every now and then lumps will be actually a design thinking annual UX event. And it's a very neoliberal kind of an approach where you basically say, there are these problems, let's bring in the users, let's spend a day understanding what the problems are from the user's point of view, and let's figure out a way to solve those problems by our design solutions. What the design justice framework does is that it finds a new way of conducting that entire exercise by focusing on these principles that the network of designers have developed. So these are these um, 10 principles that a group of designers from across the US came together, uh, developed when they came together in 2016. And what they're basically inherently trying to say is we first of all have to think about beyond just the profit motive. But apart from that, we also have to stop saying that we're user centered because we have to think about the community and not just the user. And uh, in that we have to think about all of these ex extraneous impl implications of our product. We have to think about how it's influencing society beyond just the individual user. And uh, only then will we be able to ethically design these products. So yeah, so I can uh, share the link to this article or anything else that anyone might be interested in, but uh, that broadly covers all of the different uh, aspects within my research. So I know we have very little time left, but um, I want to open the floor for questions, comments, thoughts that we can talk about in the last few minutes. So one question is that, what will we really feel the same way about these established platforms if they're designed in a supposed better way? Yeah, and the other one is, aren't all platforms being redesigned bit by bit? So I think both of these are really good questions. Um, an important, I think, uh, word to focus on is the way we, uh, in Bisma's point is, will we really feel the same way, which is an important element. Okay? There is an emotional element to this entire process. So emotional design is actually a new and upcoming field in within HCI, within product design that tries to answer these questions. It tries to consider our emotional attachment to Facebook and the way these platforms currently work and how it would get impacted uh, if we, let's say, destroy Facebook completely. But uh, generally to answer you, Bisma, I would say that I personally feel that there are ways that um, we can design these platforms in a better way while continuing to provide uh, the same value that they're providing for the user. And I had some um, ideas for reimagining the platform that I wanted to cover, but maybe at some other point, if we do another discussion, I can go over those. Um, and to answer the second question, um, yes, all platforms are being redesigned, but you have to pay attention to what they're focusing on. So, you know, Facebook is a trillion dollar company um, and uh, 
they have a huge workforce of designers and developers and they they launch updates on whatsapp um every few months or so but try to pay attention you can go to the app store and see their last few updates and see look at the kind of updates that they're focusing on there is an intentional like intentional ignoring of the real problems that people are facing um they're still driven by their profit motive they still want to use whatsapp as a supplement for facebook and instagram which is why they're not really coming up with any real solutions for these problems so fake news ki jaise hum example le le ye bahut aasan hai bahut aasan tarike se wo facebook ko wo whatsapp ke upar fake news ko completely eliminate kar sakte lekin wo nahi karte because they want to continue acquiring new users to whatsapp and facebook So I wanna, uh, Osama, are you there? I am having internet troubles, but um, so I know that you know we're near the end of the time. Um, but what I will do is I wanna talk about quickly, uh, talk about a couple of the suggestions that I had regarding reimagining. Mm-hmm. whatsapp um but anyone who wants to drop out please feel free to do that and in the meantime we can also wait for asama to get a hold of his interest i i think i have a hold of it but uh, you can go ahead and as a as a sweetener or a reward for uh, people who stay till the end maybe you can share one of the the tea as they're calling it Uh, sure which as a recording for so that uh, you know only sama your internet is still a little sucky uh i don't know what to do so do, do what you want to do and uh, then share okay so okay i close the hopefully the cells so uh, uh i i did a there was another part of my research where i um spoke with some people who did a whatsapp detox and weren't using whatsapp for a, from a, some from a week to a few months and in those interviews i often asked people to reimagine what whatsapp would like uh would could be like that would solve some of the problems that they had with whatsapp um so i just want to quickly go over some of the interesting suggestions yeah so for example one person suggested that there can be a ghost mode within the app and what that would mean is ke you can travel through the app look at all the conversations engage with all of the documents without actually appearing as if you're online and without other people knowing that you are actually using the app and without actually receiving any of the new messages so basically you are offline but you can still access the app which is um um or or you can or i mean or you can continue to use um get get new messages but you you are offline so other people don't see uh, that you're online so 
that part of it where you know you can turn off the fact that you're online and it exists across all of the different messaging platforms that facebook uses it is so bothersome for me and it is something that they can easily eliminate but again that it's something that they uh, choose not to another idea was that there is a there should be a way that you can archive a group forever and what that would mean is okay you're still part of the group but you never receive their messages you never have to hear from them they, it never shows up on your ui it's archived forever and you can go and uh, you can go and access it uh, whenever you want. Um, the, but the problem is that when you archive it right now, uh, it still continues to show up at the top uh, whenever you receive a message. So you have to keep on archiving it. So the, the simple solution is that if you don't want to hear from a group right now, you can just archive it forever. And so you, what I'm trying to go for here is that there are these really neat kind of design tricks that we, that these designers can implement to make the experience better. So it sort of relates to Bisma's question, okay, would it change the way that we feel about WhatsApp? I don't think so. It's still the same platform, but it's these additions that they've done to focus on uh, these people who exist on the marginal level who have these problems with WhatsApp. Um, another interesting idea was that conversation should be more live, uh, like real life. So um, so you can only message once at a time. So you cannot send more than a single message and you have to wait for the other person to respond, which is an interesting idea. It's not something that really is followed on any of the messaging platforms, but um, the purpose behind this is K, uh, a lot of these people who were who wanted a detox from WhatsApp was because they felt K when they were on WhatsApp, everyone just assumed that they're always accessible and everyone just assumed that message karte aur unko eventually jawab dena Whereas in real life, aisa nahi hota. when you approach someone, um, let's say in a public space, you don't really go up to them and be like, or blah, 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 and, mujhe ye batao. and you, you cannot really go on having a conversation with them without first assessing ke, are they in the right space to have that conversation. And underlying with this is also another academic concept, which is K WhatsApp is like a time, um, a public square, like a city square. It's basically a place where everyone can be accessible. And so a lot of these try to think about WhatsApp as like a marketplace or like a city space where, um, anyone can come in and knowing if they know your number, they can sort of like jump into your private life and connect with you. So uh, what designers talk about is okay, we should try to re um, we should try to design it in a way that it matches the way that conversations happen in a, in the public setting. Another idea in line with this is okay, before you can chat with someone, you have to request that you can chat with them. So uh, it's again this uh, the similar concept k you can just go on texting someone and assume that they will see it and assume that they're accessible and then also be able to see that they're online and they're uh, using whatsapp but instead you every time you want to have a conversation you um, create a request and the other person has to decide whether they are in the right space to have that conversation so 
these are just some of the ideas that uh, were uncovered in the research that I did with other people uh, for how you know we can make these minor changes, design changes to WhatsApp to make the experience better in uh, in line with the principles of design justice. So I think I've covered pretty much um, um, everything that I wanted to talk about. Osama, is your internet better now? Are you able to hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, I can't actually hear you until I speak. Uh, you'll have double. Are, are, you, are you done? So I can only. Yeah, there's a big echo here. 